What's up? Welcome to Bow Down, the teaching ministry of Pastor Chris Tress. Hey, shout out to all the moms today. Happy Mother's Day. Um, Yeah. Today's going to be a different Mother's Day message, by the way. Uh, If you have... If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Psalm 50, Psalm 50. You know, I was talking to a, to, to a pastor, and, and he said to me, he said, hey, man, what are you preaching on right now? I said, man, the book of Revelation. And uh, he said to me, he's like, well, I, don't, I don't go past chapter 6, man. I just, I just stay in those first five chapters, you know? Now, I understand what he was saying. I understand why he was joking. But the reality is for us as people who follow Jesus, we've got to be very, very careful with that. With that kind of thinking, that kind of mentality that we avoid the wrath of God. We've been in the book of Revelation. We've been through chapters one through five. And so this week, happy Mother's Day, we're in chapter six. And this is where the wrath of God is poured out. And the reason why we have a problem for that, some of you are like, Chris, you're ruining my lunch and everything. The reason why this is important, moms, is because the Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord. And we live in a generation and even a church age that does not fear the Lord. That's why I have you in Psalm 50, 21. And the reason why it says these things you have done. Psalm 50, verse 21. And I have been silent. God is talking to the wicked in context. He's like, you've done these things. One of the things up, he says, you, you cast my words behind you. You don't even listen. And in fact, as they were quoting chapter 7, right, um, there's people that hear God's word and don't do them. Those are the foolish people. Their house is going to crash. Wicked people hear God's word and they just cast it behind them. They don't hear and desire to do. Again, in Matthew 7, right, there's a wide road that is easy, but then there's a narrow road. That way is what? Hard. We just read it. So 50, 21, it says, these things you have done and I have been silent. You thought that I was one like yourself. I want you to highlight that in your Bible, if you would. This is what I believe is one of the biggest problem in our churches today is that we have made God in our own image and likeness. God has created us in his image and likeness, and we have returned the favor. God is not like you, and he's not like your mom. No offense, moms. We make the mistake of thinking things like, how can a good God do things like this? 
and we begin to reason in our own mindset. And the Bible warns us and challenges us, hey, don't lean on your own understanding. Isaiah 55 declares, so your ways, they're not my ways. Your thoughts, they're not my thoughts. As far as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways, my thoughts, different from yours. How high the heavens are above the earth, we don't know. It just keeps going. We're not on God's level. And when we begin to think God is like this or this is how it should be, and we begin to kind of assault God, making him into an image that fits and suits our beliefs, we're, very, we're in a very dangerous place. God says here in 21, but now I rebuke you and I lay the charge before you. I want you to turn the, to the New Testament, Luke 21, please. Luke 21, because a lot of times we look at Jesus and we, we have this, this, this image of Jesus like, you know, he, he's just so nice and he's just so loving and and he would never say anything harsh. He would never do anything wrong. He's just full of compassion. He's full of mercy. Yeah, these things are true. But there's also another side to Jesus. Why? Because he's God. And that other side makes us uncomfortable. And I would challenge us today, let's press into that com- Discomfort. In fact, let's pray. Father, we welcome you in this place. And Lord, I know the the main theme of today is that your church would really understand the wrath of God, the justice of God, the punishment that's coming on our world that will not bow down to you. And God, I pray, God, not we wouldn't be people that would condemn those, but that our hearts would be broken so that we would rescue and we would snatch those going to the fire. That we would have compassion on those who are headed for destruction. That we would see people in a second-story building burning on fire, and we would run to get the ladder to bring them out. And we would do what it would take to do that, God. I pray, God, that you would help us, God. Forgive us, Lord. Your glorious gospel. May we be people that trumpet that to a lost and a dying world. We ask, God, for your grace to be poured out in this place today. In Jesus' name, amen. Luke 21, verse 20, Uh, Jesus, he is about to be crucified a few chapters later, and he's teaching the church, he's teaching uh, what's going to happen. He's prophesying. So Jesus died in 33 AD, but there's this guy, Titus of Asphazian, who comes in at 70 AD, and he, he destroys Jerusalem. Burns it to the ground. And Jesus is talking about that time. 
And because he's love, he wants to warn them of what's coming. And this is what he says in verse 20. But when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that its desolation has come near. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let those who are inside the city depart. Let not those who are out in the country enter it. For these days, these are days of vengeance. Vengeance to fulfill all that's written. Alas for women who are pregnant and those who are nursing infants in those days. For there will be great distress upon the earth and wrath against this people. And I want you to highlight this people, please. This people. Now, keep your place here. I'm going to have you turn to two other places in Luke so that we can begin to build an understanding of this doctrine that Jesus is talking about concerning this people, this people that was alive then, not alive today. Let's go to Luke 11, 49, please. So it is a loving thing to warn. It is a loving thing to speak truth. It is a loving thing to tell people, hey, listen, this is what's going to happen. This is what it's, what's going to go down. And Jesus is constantly doing that. He does it here in Luke eleven forty nine and 51. He says, therefore, also the wisdom of God said, I will send them prophets, apostles, some of whom they will kill and persecute. Luke eleven fifty. 50, so that the blood of all the prophets shed from the foundation of the world may be charged against this generation. You want to highlight this generation. That was the generation he was speaking to. Not us, them. From the blood of Abel, first person killed, to the blood of Zechariah, who perished between the altar and the sanctuary. Yes, I tell you, it will be required of this generation. Again, that was the generation he was speaking to. Well, that's not nice, Jesus. Be careful of that. Jesus is God. He's speaking to the, the nation of Israel. He came to the, to the lost sheep of Israel. That was his focus, and they rejected him, and not only that, they killed him. And he's saying, you guys, I do love you. I long to gather you like a hen gathers her chicks, but you would not come. You would not come. You would not come. You're, you're going to kill the very one who came to die for you. I want you to turn over to Luke 23. Luke 23. Now, this is Jesus, and he's being crucified, he's being killed. He is being persecuted and he's going to the cross and there's people that are weeping for him. And instead of being me focused like I would have been, he's others focused and he says this prophetic word in Luke 23, 28. He says, but turning to them, Jesus said, daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. Because he knew. What was coming? He knew what was coming. I want you to go back now to Luke 21 so we can pick up his warning again. So you can see what his message is to the people of the day that he came to save, but they responded by killing him. They said to him, you will not rule over me, Jesus. 
verse 24, Luke 21. They, meaning this people, will fall by the edge of the sword and be led captive among all nations. And Jerusalem will be trampled underfoot by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. I want you to put underfoot by the Gentiles. I want you to put 1967. 1967 is when Israel took occupation and control through the Six-Day War over Jerusalem. And so for 2,000 years, this prophecy was not fulfilled. And all of a sudden, in our time, the words of Jesus says, the words of Jesus says that all of a sudden, the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. This should wake us up. This is what separates the Bible from every other book in the world because. Jesus, who's God, says, hey, this is going to happen, and it happens. This is miraculous, by the way. 2,000 years, people dispersed all over the world have now come back during this hour. Nick, go ahead and put up that slide for me. So this is the Arch of Titus. Again, 70 A.D., Titus of Aspasian, he came to Israel. He killed millions of Jews. Brutally. Brutally. And he destroyed the city, and he ransacked what was in the temple. And he took slaves back up into northern Europe. What did Jesus say? Let's, let's, let's look here, verse 24 again. They will be led captive among the nations. You see that? It happened, 70 AD. Let's go to the inside of that, Nick. This is the amazing thing about the Bible. The Bible is historically accurate. So here, this, this place, you can go visit it in Rome. Do you see the menorah right there? That is on the inside of the Arch of Titus, meaning... What you're reading in Scripture actually happened. These guys are in chains. And so why am I spending time here? It's because we're in Revelation chapter 6 today. And really, 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 the church doesn't really believe Revelation chapter 6 is going to happen. Listen, listen. I'll say this, neither do I really. Why would you say that, Chris? Don't you believe the, the Bible is the word of God? Yeah, I do. But if I really believed, if I really believed that the wrath of God's going to be poured out, do you think my evangelism may be up here rather than here? Church, feel the weight of this. This message is not for the world, right? We're not a seeker-sensitive church. You can bring friends, great. Our, your jobs, you lead them to Christ. You catch them, we'll clean them. This is cleaning today. Happy Mother's Day, by the way. We are cleaning today. Some people don't like that paradigm, but listen, Jesus, he taught his disciples. In fact, they memorized that, Matthew 5.1. And seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him and sat down. Then he taught 
his disciples. The church, we've got to get back to teaching disciples. So, guys, this has happened. This is an amazing prophecy by Jesus. It's miraculous. That for 2,000 years, the Jews have been dispersed all over the world, even down into Africa. And when, in fact, when I was in uh, Israel, they brought a plane of, of, of Jews that were from Ethiopia, and they were welcoming in them into Israel. It's amazing. This, 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 and by the way, that's another prophecy that says in the last days, I'm going to gather, I'm going to gather my people back into the homeland, right? And I don't have time to get into all the prophecies about Israel in the last days, but listen, this is why we need to wake up. Let's go. Revelation chapter six, please. And I want to just say to you, the love of Jesus at giving this message there were so many Jewish people that were murdered by Titus of Asphazian. Why? Because they rejected the message of Jesus. There were also some Jewish Christians at the time that didn't listen to the words of Jesus and they suffered for it. We as a church, we need to say, Jesus, help me to take your words seriously. Revelation 6, 1. Now I watched when the lamb opened one of the seven seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures say with a loud voice like thunder, come, come, come. Now listen, this word come is used four times. The first four seals, come. Why? Because God is wanting his children to come and look and see what is going to happen. Most of the time when it comes to things like this, we don't want to come. We don't want to see. It's too hard. I don't even want to think about that. And it's a drawing too. Come, come. I want you to see. I want you to see. You've got to allow this to go deep down in you so you can move like you believe it's true. I want you to turn to Revelation 5, 4 and 5. It's one page back. It says, I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. Jesus he has the scroll in his hand in chapter 6, and he is opening the seals. And we are going to witness this unfold today. This is a beautiful thing. I want you to highlight Revelation 6 where it says, The Lamb opened. The Lamb opened. Everything that you're about to witness today, he is in control of it all. He is in control of it all. He is measuring out justice perfectly. He's not like us who measure out justice imperfectly. Verse 2, Revelation chapter 6, And I looked, behold, a white horse, its rider had a bow, and a crown was given to him. And he came out conquering to conquer. I want you to read this again. I want you to highlight a couple of things. And look, behold, a white horse. Highlight that. And its rider had a bow. Highlight the bow. Highlight the bow. 
and a crown, highlight that, that's Stephanos, Stephanos. It's a crown that's given to somebody, right? And so that was given to him, given to him, and he came out conquering to conquer. Now, keep your place here. Turn to Revelation 19.11, please. Because a lot of people believe that this is Jesus showing up in Revelation chapter 6, verse 2. But it's not Jesus. It's a false Jesus that looks like Jesus. He's a rider on a white horse. But really, this is the Antichrist. Now, if you haven't signed up for your connection card, okay, to get emails, listen, I don't have time to break down the Antichrist. Just don't have time for it today. But we're going to send you out all the verses that deal with the Antichrist. We're also going to send you out something else. I'll talk about that later. But one of the reasons why I believe in the pre-tribulation rapture of the church is because the church should recognize the Antichrist. There is a lot that's written about the Antichrist. And, and, and listen, the best way to tell if money is fake or real is not to focus on the fake, but it's to focus on the real. Does that make sense? So here's the real in Revelation 19.11. It says, then I saw heaven open and behold a white horse. So there's that white horse again. It looks the same, doesn't it? But sitting on it, it's called faithful and what? Jesus is the way. He's the truth. He's the truth. And in righteousness, he judges and makes war. Jesus is going to judge in perfect righteousness, and he's going to make war. And his eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems. That's different than Stephanos, which is crowned, but this is diadem. So it's bigger, it's grander, there's more of them. And he has a name written on that no one knows but himself. That's why you can't take the Lord's name in vain, technically, because he has a name nobody knows. God thought of everything. Verse 13. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood. And his name, by which he is called, is the word of God. And the armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. And from his mouth comes a sharp, what? Sword, with which to strike down the nations. Understand, it's not a bow, it's a sword. He will rule them with a rod of iron, and he will tread the winepress of fury of the wrath of God, the Almighty. So Jesus is going to tread the fury of the wrath of God. And on his robe and thigh, he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So let's go back to Revelation chapter 6. And I look and behold a white horse. Rider had a bow, Stephanos crown, and it was given to him. And he came out conquering to conquer. There's going to be such chaos in our world where the world is going to go after a leader who is going to be loved and liked. By the way, it's not Trump or Biden. Too many haters on both sides. But we did witness a precursor to the Antichrist. When so many people couldn't stomach the mean tweets from Trump, they said, we want Grandpa Joe. He's nicer, right? We witnessed that, right? 
You can say amen, if you, but that's kind of that. People did do that, okay? We want peace, don't we? Who can make things right? Who can stop this war with Russia? Who can do this? Who can do that? We want somebody. We want somebody. And the Antichrist is going to promise peace, but then he's going to break the promise and show who he really is. And again, we don't have time to... Uh, talk about this, but I, I, I want you to understand why this is not Jesus here. It's because the results of this leader's leadership, as we'll see going forward, produce people killing one another, famine, and pestilence. Revelation 19, Christ destroys his enemies. Here, People are going to kill one another because of this white horse ruler's enemies in chapter 6. I want you to turn to 2 Thessalonians 2.9, please. Germany was the most educated society on the face of the earth when Hitler took charge. This is why... You need to be very careful about education that's not attached to the heart. This is why Jesus says, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And when you educate a mind and it's not in, in connection with the heart attitude, the character and the nature matter more than the book smarts, you're going to get in trouble. We see that the stock crash of 2008. All those guys were Harvard, Yale, right? And guess what? Stock crash. Why? They were corrupt to the core. Adolf Hitler spelled out in detail how he planned to conquer in his book, Mein Kampf, 10 years before World War II began. You can read it in your own time. Pray before you read it, though. It's, de it's demonic. Ten years before he did it, he wrote out how he was going to do it. Britain, Great Britain, and France, they both believed him. The Prime Minister, Neville Chamberlain, of Great Britain, met with Hitler in 1938, and he came back and he waved a peace treaty in Parliament, and he's waving it around, saying, hey guys, we have peace, and we have honor, peace for our time, and everybody's cheering. There was one guy who stood up. His name was Winston Churchill. And he objected, and he was shouted down by the mob in the House of Commons by angry members of Parliament. I want you to understand something. Church, the mob is usually wrong. The mob killed Stephen, Acts chapter 7. The mob shows up in, in the book of Acts. The mob is usually wrong. Be careful. Be careful who you're aligning yourself with. Be careful of what spirit you're following. There's many spirits out there in the world. Hitler's deception was universal. Even the German church, the Lutheran church, aligned themselves with Hitler. That's why we need to be wise. We need to know God's word. We need to test every spirit to see whether or not they're from God or not. Because there's many false spirits that are already at work in this world. That's 1 John chapter 4, verse 1. 
We're called to test them. So I have you in 2 Thessalonians 2.9, and this is speaking of the Antichrist. And if you think Hitler was deceptive, we haven't seen anything. People say never again, never again. Guys, listen, yeah, it's going to happen again. Second Thessalonians 2.9, the coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders. So this, Hitler didn't do one sign and wonder. This Antichrist is going to do a sign and wonder, and he's going to be riding that white horse. He's going to have a crown. He's going to have a bow, and he's going to conquer. And with all wicked deception for those who are perishing because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. When you continue to reject the truth, you're putting yourself in danger. Therefore, God sends them a strong delusion so they may believe what is false in order that they may condemn who did not believe the truth. Jesus is the truth, but they had pleasure in unrighteousness. They wanted to please themselves. They wanted to live for themselves. We don't. We want to do what we want to do. This is my truth. This is my truth. Have we, are we hearing that today? Is that popular today? There's, not, there's no longer a truth that we can agree upon. It's whatever I feel is true, right? Now, Jesus said in the beginning, he created them male and female. Jesus said that. He's the truth. But what's our world teaching today? So you, you, you just have to be awake, church. And this is really compassionate, by the way, because truth is compassionate. Truth is compassionate. If a car is coming down the road towards your child, if you don't shout, but I feel like I should play in the street. Okay, I'll let you. I'll, I'll let you. That is your truth. Understand this Antichrist is going to deceive the world. Many of us have been deceived. We can be deceived. I can be deceived. You can be deceived, right? So we have to cry out for the Holy Spirit and we have to know the word of God. Or else we could come under deception. Verse 3, Revelation chapter 6, please. When he opened the second seal, I heard a second living creature say, Come, and out came another horse, bright red. Its rider was permitted to take peace from the earth so that people should slay one another. And he was given a great sword. Peace is taken away from the earth. Again, this is why I believe in the pre-tribulation rapture, because if you are a disciple of Jesus, you have the Prince of Peace living inside of you. You have peace with God through Jesus Christ. This is why I got flack when I said, no justice, no peace. You'll never catch me saying that, because I cannot lie. I have peace because the Prince of Peace is within me. So I'm not going to chant what everybody else is chanting. I will not disrespect my God by saying no justice, no peace. No, I have peace because my king did not get justice on that cross. Amen. 
See, we, we, we think these things are little things, Chris. No, all these little things are like foxes nipping the vine, and we don't see it. We don't see it till we look up and we understand, man, we've been under deception because we've been following the voices of this world. People will slay one another. This is what's coming, guys. It's, it's, it's not going to get better. It's actually going to get worse. And we'll get into this in Revelation 16, where we read about Armageddon, which is going to be a huge battle. So whoever offers peace, don't believe them. Don't believe them. Should we be people of peace? Should we be peacemakers? Yes. We pray for our enemies. We bless those that curse us. But I want you to understand whoever offers peace this side of heaven, right? It's not going to happen. You're not going to have peace on, on earth during this time. It's just not going to happen. Verse 5, Revelation chapter 6, it says, When he opened the third seal, I heard the living creature say, Come. And I looked, and behold, a black horse and its rider had a pair of scales in his hand. So scales, they measure stuff, right? They measure weights of things. And I heard what seemed to be a voice in the midst of the four living creatures say, a quart of wheat for a denarius. And by the way, that's a day's wage, if you want to put that in your Bible. And three quarts of barley for a denarius, but do not harm the oil and the wine. So throughout Scripture, God uses famine as judgment. Famine as judgment. And so the scales, they symbolize the need to carefully measure out and ration food. So a time is coming where food is going to be rationed out. This speaks to a time of scarcity. Also, these prices that are talked about here are 12 times higher than normal. It means it would cost a day's wage to buy the ingredients for a loaf of bread. This is a great famine that's coming on the earth during the tribulation. Verse 7. When he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature say, Come. And I looked, and behold, a pale horse. And his rider's name was Death. And Hades followed him. And they were given authority over a fourth of the earth to kill with the sword and famine and with pestilence. And by wild beasts of the earth, they were given authority. That means God is still in control despite everything that's going on. He's still in control. Things are in chaos, but God is still in control and he's measuring out justice. Verse 9. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the Alter the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the witness that they had borne. And so people are going to be killed in this time of tribulation. Verse 10, they cried out. This is a strong emotional cry. This is a like a just a screaming out cry with a loud voice. Oh, sovereign Lord, holy and true. How long before you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? And they were each given a white robe and they were told to rest a little longer until the number of their fellow servants 
and the brothers should be complete who were to be killed as they themselves had been. So God is saying, be patient and wait. Justice is coming. Where were our leaders when, when our world was, was revolting? Wait. We have to believe that justice is coming. See, when you don't believe in the justice of God, you will demand justice from man. Understand, I, I want you to look at this as well. Until the number of their fellow servants and their brothers should be complete. God knows, because he's sovereign, who's going to be saved during the tribulation. And there's a complete number. There's a complete number. He knows it all. He has everything figured out in detail. Nothing takes God by surprise, right? I've said this before. Has it ever occurred to you that nothing has occurred to God? He knows it all. He knows it all. Verse 12. When he opened the sixth seal, I looked and behold, there was a great earthquake and the sun became black as sackcloth. The moon, full moon, like became like blood and the stars of the sky fell to the earth as a fig tree sheds its winter fruit. When shaken by Gale. Listen, John didn't use technical, precise scientific language here. He's just describing what he saw. It's like, man, these things are collapsing on earth. Asteroids and different things falling, right? So, so he's just describing this. Now, this is an amazing thing. Nick, if you could go ahead and, and, and put this up here. We're going to see something that's really, really cool that jumped out at me in my study about the parallels, please. The parallels. All right, you can't really see it. It's too big. Um, if you can fix it, we'll table back around, okay? All right, let's go to verse 14. It says, The sky vanished like a scroll that is being rolled up, and every mountain and every island was removed from its place. Who's investing in, in islands, by the way? Island property. Be careful about that, okay? I'm just, I'm just saying, you know what I'm even mountain property. <laughs> um, then the kings of the earth and the great ones and the generals and the rich and the powerful and everyone slave and free. Do you know that there's slavery still going on in our world right now? And it's not going to stop. You know why? Because people are evil to the core. This is what we don't get. We don't understand because we don't leave America. Jesus these people are hiding in caves and among the rocks of the mountain. There's always going to be rich folks. There's always going to be slaves. But everyone here is made equal because the wrath of God is going to be measured on everybody who will not bow down to Jesus. 16, calling to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide, on, hide us from the face of him who's seated on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come. Who can stand? Who can stand? I want to play a video for you right now, please. And as we play this video, some of us had a hard time with all this wrath stuff. But this video is going to explain why wrath is going to come. I grew up in southern Alabama, very rural, one-stop sign town called Nitchburg. 
getting ready to go to college, I decided to go into the Army Reserves. But I had to go get my birth certificate, mainly because the name was different. The name I had always grown up with was Nelson, but then come to find out there was something completely different on my birth certificate. Clearly, I could have done the math and realized just how young my mother was when she gave birth to me, but it was never something that truly resonated with me until I looked at my birth certificate for the very first time and just kind of studied it. Her gender, they called her a Negro girl, and that was the first thing I saw, and it just kind of grabbed my heart. But then I saw her age, and she was 12. And that just really struck a chord in me because I realized just how young my mother was when something so horrible had visited upon her. Even to this day, it's a very hard word to say, but my mother was raped. Given her young age at 11 years old, my father being 21, they was hurt. We was all devastated. But my mother said, you know, you're pregnant, so we're going to get through this. And she helped me get through it. I don't want to use the word choice. She was going to be born. I didn't have a choice to say, you're going to live, or I'm going to abort you. That wasn't a choice for me. And I thank God it wasn't a choice for me. As a child, I knew no difference. I was loved, and um, I felt loved. It gave me a greater appreciation for my mother. It helped me to forgive a lot of the mistakes someone at that age, having gone through such trauma, would have made in their own parenting. But it definitely made me become very adamant about the sanctity of life, of all life, regardless of their conception, regardless of how they arrived, that I am <laughs> valuable, I'm worthy, and my life has purpose. Before the foundation of the world, God saw me, and he decided that I would be, and he said in his word that not only did I see you, but I called you, I predestined you. And so as a Christian, I believe in the value of life, that when I was in my mother's womb, he was knitting me together. Even among Christians, even among staunch conservatives, an exception to the rule of being pro-life for many is in the case of rape. And yet my life has value. From me has come two very beautiful and charming and smart kids married to a wonderful husband. We've made a life for ourselves and none of this would have happened if the exception to the rule had applied regardless of how old you are and how the child was conceived, that child deserved a chance. And if I had made that choice, where would I be at right now without my daughter? The hardest struggle for my mother, the hardest thing for her to overcome, I think is just the effects of the trauma itself. And that is why I think it's so important to help people understand that the trauma has already been inflicted. The child should not be inflicted with the consequences that squarely belongs on the one who inflicted the trauma. You have to be able to see the difference. Aborting me would not have eased the trauma that my mother suffered. Aborting me would not have allowed me to be in a place today where I can now take care of my mother. It's just amazing to see them grow up. Regardless of how my life started out, I'm blessed. 
I'm not left with bitterness. I'm left with overwhelming sense of gratitude that not only did God see value in my life, but that my family saw value in my life. I'm very grateful for that. I'm eternally grateful that they chose to allow me to be born. Father, when we see that, we just uh, we just get overwhelmed, God. We get overwhelmed with uh, just what has happened in our nation. That people are actually upset. That Roe versus Wade might end. Where people want to destroy that woman in her womb. You created her. You have a purpose for her. And so, God, I just pray that you would just forgive our nation. Forgive the church as well, God, because we haven't welcomed the orphan in and the widow in like we should. We haven't been gentle and compassionate for those that have made that mistake, God, bringing them into restoration and healing, removing their shame. There's been condemnation, God, and so, God, forgive us, but help us as a church, God. And, Lord, for me, as I got my girlfriend pregnant and I wanted her to have an abortion, um, but she had a miscarriage, so, Father, you know, I, I committed murder in my heart. I can't judge anybody. I'm guilty of that. I'm guilty of abortion, even though it didn't happen. And so I'm a murderer, God. But I thank you for the cross, and I thank you that you've forgiven me. And so, God, as we read this chapter 6 of Revelation, we understand just in our nation alone, God, we've, we've killed 60 million babies. 60 million 62 million, actually, since 1972. Worse than Hitler. Worse than a Holocaust. And so, God, I pray that you would just forgive us, forgive our land, forgive the church for being silent on this, and help your people to wake up and to understand you are going to be justified when you measure out your wrath on those who will not repent and follow you, Jesus. In Christ's name, amen. I want you to turn to, uh, we're, we're going to close with this. I want you to turn to John 3.36, please. And, and Nick, if you could just go ahead and put up uh, those abortion, those verses, um, Psalm 139. So, again, we, we're, we're going to email you something on the Antichrist, but we're going to also email you videos like that 
because less than 1% of abortions are because of rape and incest. It's, it's really, it's an argument that's used all the time, but did she, did she not deserve to live because of how she was created? And by the way, that's this, the, so I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, email you some videos that you need to put out on your Instagram or your Twitter, whatever you do. Because as I put these up on Facebook, I continue to get shadow banned where nobody will see it unless they go on my website. I did that for a video on my website called, it's a documentary called Hush, and there wasn't one thumb like so Facebook, Fakebook is shadow banning certain narratives. And so we, this is why I'm praying for Elon to get a hold of Twitter so we can put out things that go against the popular narrative. And so I'm going to be sending stuff to you so that you have them. This will be sent to you. These are verses, and here's why. Because we've reached a place in our life where you cannot be pro-choice and believe in the Bible. Let me say that again. You cannot believe that the Bible is the word of God and be pro-choice. Let me say this again. You cannot believe in the sovereignty of God and believe in pro-choice. Why? Ephesians 1.4. Before the foundations of the earth, were made. He chose us in him. Before God created the world, he chose you. And what happens when man decides whether or not this person's going to come into the world? You can't believe in the sovereignty of God and be pro-choice. You can't believe in the Bible as the word of God and be pro-choice. They don't compute. You can't do it. This is the truth. Before I formed you, Jeremiah 1.5, in your mother's womb, I knew you and I set you apart as a prophet to the nations. And I, and I want to just say this as well. The same party, political party, that, that started a war so they could keep their slaves is the same political party that is fighting for pro-choice. The number one cause of death for blacks in America is abortion, by far. The same party that fought a war to keep the slaves is the same party that's fighting for the number one cause of death for blacks in America. And listen, does that offend you? I don't really care. I don't, I don't care because some of us have been so aligned with the wrong spirit, we're blindly following. And yeah, that same party is coming against what Jesus said he made them male and female. That same party is saying, hey, look, you're forced into this school, no school choice. There is an assault on children coming from this party, and it's time the church wakes up. And by the way, this will be shadow banned. I don't promote a party, I promote the truth. 
I pledge allegiance to the kingdom of God. God's wrath is going to be poured out because we, the creation, says we're going to murder what you created. He's going to be justified in what you're seeing. People will not bow down to him. And he's going to measure out justice perfectly. So I have you in John 3.36. It says, and and we all love John 3.16, right? But we never get to John 3.36. And again, why is that? We've created God in our image. So we don't want to look at his justice and his wrath because it makes us uncomfortable. But this is what John 3.36 says. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. God's wrath will remain on those who will not obey Jesus, who will not follow Jesus. This is why, guys. This is why. Nahum 1.6 says, who can stand before his indignation? Who can endure the heat of his anger? His wrath is poured out like fire and the rocks are broken into pieces. Micah 5.15 says, the anger and wrath I will execute vengeance on the nations that did not obey me. God's wrath is coming. And here in Revelation 6.16, who can save us from the wrath of the Lamb, which is going to be measured out justice and righteousness, it's coming. I want you to turn to Romans 5, 1 and 2, and I just lied to you. This is really where we're going to end. Worship team, if you can come forward, prayer partners, um, as I pray, if you could just make your way to the front. We're going to end here. So the question in Revelation 16, or 6, 16, who can stand? Who can stand? The wrath is coming. Who can stand? Listen, this is the good news. Romans 5, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into his grace, which we stand. Who can stand? Who can stand? It's those who have trusted in the cross of Jesus Christ, who have put their faith in what Christ did on the cross, and they follow the Lamb wherever He goes. That they've surrendered their life to Him and said, Jesus, I'm bowing down my life to You. I'm surrendering all. Thank You for dying for me on the cross. Thank You for taking my wrath that I deserve because I... I've sinned against you, a holy God, and my faith is in you, Jesus. My faith is in the cross, Jesus, and I thank you for the wrath that was poured out on you because you loved me. And so I can stand because of that. Without it, I couldn't. I would be deserving of wrath like everybody else. So God, today, Today, Father, we just come in Jesus' name and we ask, God, that there would be no one that is here, no one that is listening, that is hardening their heart. 
Lord, if there's somebody that needs to come and to be saved and to repent, I pray, God, that they would see your cross and they would understand that Isaiah 53.10 says that it pleased you to crush your own son. You were pleased to crush your own son because you wanted us in your family. Thank you for that sacrifice, Jesus. We will sing forever. Worthy is the lamb that was slain. Worthy is the lamb that was slain. We do that now, God. Fill us with your Holy Spirit so that we would be a voice to those who are perishing, for those who the wrath of God is remaining on them and abiding on them because they will not bow for you. Give us a compassion for the lost, God, and raise up your church to be the light of the world, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. We need you, God, to bring revival during this hour so that we are the people that stand in the truth and do not come under the deception that is so rampant in this world. We need you, God. Help us to be on that narrow road that is hard so we're not on that easy road where most people are on that leads to destruction. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for visiting us today. Make sure to check us out online at www.bowdownchurch.com.